Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Okay, so January was all about our connection with God, and February is all about our connections with other people, with connections with the relationships around us, um, our friends, our family, our spouse, our kids, our coworkers, our dog, our barista, I don't know what else is up there, but also in February we'll have um, our marriage event, so this Friday night we're having a marriage event. Uh, you're invited. I'd love to see you there. Hope you can join us. Small groups are launching in February. Uh, this would be a great weekend uh, to check out small groups and uh, to uh, see what small groups are near you or at a good time for you. Uh, but we're going to kick off this series talking about friendships. One of the biggest secrets to your success in your life is the friends that you choose, the people that you will be committed to. But whenever we talk about committing to people, some people come to mind that we would really rather not be committed to, right? Like when we talk about friendships, sometimes our brain just goes to high-maintenance people because there's some high-maintenance people in the world. Say right. And the first thing we think about is all the people we don't want to be committed to. I've got just a list of some high-maintenance people uh, that you may be familiar with in your life. The martyr, Uh, who is forever the victim, racked with self-pity. They say things like, nobody knows what I'm going through while everybody knows what they're going through. Uh, The critic, they constantly complain and give unwanted advice. I mean, the the way some people criticize you, you'd think they get paid for it, right? The wet blanket, they're just pessimistic, automatically negative. They just finish everything with this negative thought. They're going to go to heaven and find dust on the streets of gold. Uh, the steamroller, uh, they're blindly insensitive to others. They're like a bull in a china shop. They don't even know that they ran over you and knocked into you, uh, but they do. The gossip, uh, they're spreading rumors and secrets. They can hardly wait to get out of this meeting or out of this conversation with you to go tell someone else what you said. The controller, they're unable to let go and let be. The backstabber, just irrepressibly two-faced, you just one way with you, another way with other people. The cold shoulder just avoids contact. You can't develop a warm relationship with them. The green-eyed monster, they're seething with jealousy and envy. The volcano just builds up, builds up, builds up, and it erupts. It's like, what did I say? What did I do? The sponge, they're constantly in need but give nothing back. And the competitor, they're just keeping score of everything. Now, as I've listed some of these high-maintenance people, faces are coming to mind, right? I'm the only one? Come on, just don't make a big deal out of it. Don't point at them or anything. But if if a face came to mind as we went through that list, would you just slip up your hand in the air? Yeah, 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 yeah. Are you not delighted that you aren't like any of these? (laughs) Isn't that just so wonderful? I mean, this message isn't for anyone in here today. I mean, that's nobody in here needs to hear this message. This is for all the other people out there. Like, you're thinking, Ryland, 
if you would have told me you'd be preaching this good today, I would have brought all my coworkers with me. I would have brought all my friends, all my family. They'd all be here. Because this message isn't for anyone here. Nobody brought your face to mind on any of those. How you doing? You still game for this? If you don't think you don't fall into any of those categories, you do not need a sermon today. You need therapy. That's what you need. I love, I love this uh, story about relationships. It's about a guy who uh, was in a hot air balloon. A man was in a hot air balloon, and he realized he was lost. He reduced his altitude and spotted a woman below. He descended a bit more and shouted, Excuse me, can you help me? I promised a friend I would meet him an hour ago, but I don't know where I am. The woman below replied, You are in a hot air balloon, <laughs> hovering approximately 30 feet above the ground. You are between 40 and 41 degrees north latitude and between uh, 59 and 60 degrees west longitude. You must be an engineer, the balloonist said. I am, replied the woman. How did you know? Well, answered the balloonist, everything you told me is technically correct, but I have no idea what to make of your information, and the fact is I'm still lost. Frankly, you've not been any help at all, and now you've only delayed my trip. The woman below responded, you must be in management. <laughs> I am, replied the balloonist, but how did you know? Well, the woman said, you don't know where you are or where you are going. You have risen to where you are due to a large quantity of hot air. <laughs> you made a promise which you have no idea how to keep, and you expect people beneath you to solve all your problems. <laughs> the fact is, you are in exactly the same place you were before we met, but now somehow it's my fault. <laughs> and we've all met people like that. In the culture that we live, it's highly dysfunctional. And... People are dysfunctional. Families are dysfunctional. We say that like some families are dysfunctional and some are not. Every family is dysfunctional. It's just a matter of degree. And there are many hurting people. And what I know and what you know is that hurting people hurt people. It's like if I have a splinter in my hand and it's become infected. You just barely have to touch that hand. Or just bump it into anything. And it's going to be full of pain, and it's going to throb, and it's going to get inflamed. And we're infected on the inside. You just barely bump into someone. Just look at them wrong, and, and it, all those hurts start to throb, and, and all this pain uh, starts to ooze out. And we even, we even say things, well, if that's the way people are going to treat me, that's the way I'm going to treat other people. And friendship gets dumbed down. And we say, I wasn't treated right, so I'm not going to give any commitment to this friendship. I'm not going to fool with them anymore. And our friendships just become the fruit of convenience rather than commitment. And we end up fighting with our friends rather than fighting for our friendships. So I, I want to just start today by reminding you why you need friends. Just some of the reasons why we need friends in our life. Five reasons. I'm sure you could come up with more. You could probably study scripture and come up with many more, uh, but we'll just do these five quickly. Uh, one of the reasons you need friends is for spiritual growth, because you cannot become all God wanted you to be by yourself. You can't grow to spiritual maturity by yourself, period. The end. That's a fact. 
Even the Apostle Paul would say, I can't wait to be with you because when we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. Another reason you need friends is for emotional support. You need people who support you because without a good support system, any wind, any storm is going to rock your emotions. And they're just going to, any storm will destroy your emotions. Galatians 6.2, we are to carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. So if you're not helping other people with their burdens, you're not fulfilling the law of Christ, which is love your neighbor as yourself. We also need friends for better health. What? Yeah. Good, deep, meaningful friendships means a healthier life, a healthier lifestyle, a longer life. One of the reasons is friends give you a place to unload your negative emotions. James 5.16, we preach this verse a lot. It says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And nothing is harder on the body and the mind than concealed secret sin. I think when you go to the doctor and you get a new doctor and they give you that huge list of things you may be suffering from, heart disease, smoking cigarettes, pot, concealed sin... Because it's, it's hard on your gut, it's hard on your mind, it makes you full of anxiety, depression, fear, it's hard on your life. It's a healthier life when you pull those things out to the light. I'm going to clarify this. If all you want in your life is to be forgiven of your faults, confess them to God and you will have a right standing with God. If you want to, in your life, move on from them, have victory over them, so you can make a difference with your life? Confess them to someone else. God says we are to live in the light. That means we're dragged things from the darkness into the light. And God just wired the universe that some things we only improve on with the help of others. We've got a team tackle them. You can't tackle them by yourself. All right, another reason, fourth reason, is for social enjoyment. Because life is meant to be enjoyed, not merely endured. Friendships are the bedrock of a satisfying life. You can make all the money in the world, have all the accomplishments, but if you don't have any friends, it stinks. God looked down on Adam. He made creation. He looked down on Adam all by himself, and he said, that stinks. That's not the way I wanted it to be. Fifth reason is for reaching goals. You will never fulfill the goals that you have in your life by yourself. If you could fulfill all the goals you have for your life by yourself, I'm sorry, but you have puny goals. It takes a team to fulfill a dream. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says, Two people are better off than one, for they help each other succeed. So how do I develop these awesome friendships? Well, if I were to summarize it, I would summarize it the way Jesus summarizes it. When he gives us the golden rule. There's this statement from Jesus that is it's very famous. You're very familiar with it. It's known as the golden rule. Many people don't even know that Jesus was the one who said it. Uh, but let's look at it. Let's read it out loud together. Matthew 7, 12. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. I love these summary statements from Jesus. He says, if you just want to sum it all up, if you, if you want to, in a nutshell, treat people how you want to be treated. And you're going to fulfill a lot of the law and a lot of prophecies that way. Be the friend you want to have. If you really want deep, meaningful, lifelong friendships, it's simple. Be the friend you want to have. 
So I want us to look today at what I'll call the six golden rules of building relationships, whether it's at work, whether it's your husband or wife, whether it's in a small group, how do you build these deep, deep friendships? Uh, For some of you, this is going to be the most important message you hear all year. It's that crucial. Some of you, you're looking for a spouse. You'd love to be married, and, and you're constantly thinking about all the qualities you want in the other person. And maybe you've forgotten that the law of magnetism, that you attract what you are. And really what you are to do is to work on those things in your own life, to treat other people the way you want to be treated, to be the friend that you want to have, to be the kind of person that you want to be in relationship with. So let me just give you these six laws of great friendships. These will change your life if you follow them. The first golden rule of friendship, if you're taking notes, is invest the time. Invest the time. Deep friendships are not cheap. You must choose to invest the greatest commodity of your life, your time, your energy, your effort. Proverbs 18, 24 says, a man that has friends must show himself friendly. I'll put it this way. Stop waiting for people to be your friend. You make the effort. You show them how. Don't just show up when you need something. Just show up. Good friends, just show up. Philippians 2.4 says, do not be interested only in your own life, but be interested in the lives of others. This comes in a powerful section of scripture where it's describing how we are to live in light of the cross. Because of the king of kings went to the cross, what are we to do? And it says, don't be only interested in your own life, be interested in the lives of others. If you will practice this verse, you will make more godly friends in the next two months than you would have in two years. Because I hate to tell you this, But people are not interested in you. People are interested in themselves. That's why when you walk into a room and think, I wonder what everyone's thinking of me, they're not. (laughs) Because everyone else is thinking, I wonder what everyone else is thinking of me. You will get more friends by becoming interested in others than you will ever get by trying to get people interested in you. And you've got to invest the time. All right, the second law is earn their trust. If you want to build friends, you've got to earn their trust. Trust is what makes a friendship a friendship. The difference between an acquaintance and a friend is you can talk to an acquaintance, but you trust your friends. You could work eight hours a day uh, with someone, but that doesn't mean they're your friend. Do you trust them? And the mark of a friendship is that you earn their trust. Proverbs 20, verse 6 says, Many people declare themselves loyal, but who can find someone who is really trustworthy? How many of you would agree with that verse? It's, it's rare to find someone who's very trustworthy. Where you could say, I, I trust you with my possessions. I could trust you with my life. I trust you. And people don't give their trust automatically. You have to earn it. Honor is given. We are to honor everyone. Everyone. Forgiveness is given. We are to forgive everyone. Trust is earned. Trust is earned. That's why you don't have a a deep friendship automatically. You have to earn somebody's trust. The Bible says that whether it's trust in a marriage, trust in in a business relationship like a client, trust in a friendship, you earn that trust a couple of different ways. One of them, if you're taking notes, is by being loyal. By being loyal. Loyalty is the difference between a friend and a flake. Proverbs 17, 17, a friend, is always, oh, a friend is always loyal, and a brother is born to help in time of need. 
One of the greatest abilities in life is loyalty, dependability, reliability. Loyalty is a commitment that says, I'm going to put you before I put myself. I'm going to help you even if it doesn't help me in any way. Loyalty is the opposite of self-centeredness. Loyalty is the opposite of narcissism. Loyalty says, I'm going to help you. 1 Corinthians 13, 7 it says, if you love someone, you will be loyal to them no matter what the cost, no matter what it costs you. You will always believe in them, always expect the best, and always stand your ground in defending them. Love is just loyalty in action. Are you loyal to your friends? Do you show up when they're sick? Do you show up when they're stressed? Do you show up when they're tired? Do you show up when they're right? Do you show up when they're wrong? Let me say something very very serious now. If you have been betrayed or abandoned or abused, if you have been manipulated or controlled uh, in some way in a relationship, you probably have some trust issues. And I would say rightfully so. But that's something you have to decide to grow in and maybe even get some counseling on. And I am not saying that you should trust the person who abandoned you. I'm not saying you should trust them again. I'm not saying you should trust the person who manipulated you, who controlled you, who abused you. But if you don't work through that, you're going to live your life in fear of trusting anyone again. And it's a very difficult life. You've got to work through that so that you can build new, deep friendships. And you can't build those without trust. You can't build those if you're constantly afraid. Another way of building trust is by keeping confidences. Keeping confidences. Every need, every, everybody needs one person in their life where they can say, that person is safe. I can share anything with that person, and they're not going to think less of me. They're not going to look at me sideways. They're not going to dump me. They're not going to reject me. And the mark of a true friend is that they know how to keep a secret. Are you one of those friends? Are you a safe place for someone, uh, a safe person for someone to say something to you? If you really want people to trust you, you cannot be a gossip. Proverbs says, a gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. That you can say anything to them, and you know that they're not going to say anything to anyone else. If someone says something to you, can they be confident that you're not going to say something to somebody else? The third golden rule of friendship, back to these, these lists of golden rules, is listen with empathy. You can't love people without listening to people. In a conversation, you have to make the choice to listen. Now, I'm trying to become a better listener, and what I have found is that listening is not only a choice, it's a continual choice. Because what happens in my mind, maybe you'll relate to this, is someone will start talking. So if I was in a conversation with Seth, and he, and he starts telling a story, my mind would go to, the story I'm going to tell when he's done. Because that, that story just triggered a story of my own. Or I'm going to start thinking about what I'm going to respond while he's talking. And I have to make the continual choice to look at him and listen to what he's saying. And then we'll figure out the rest later. You cannot love without listening. 
A listening person is a very loving person. I think one of the main things with interacting in a group is learning to listen to the emotion that someone is saying something with rather than just the words. But in a group of friends, in a small group, uh, really hearing and responding to their emotions. My mom calls this listening with your eyes. That I know you're hearing the words that I'm saying as you're staring at your study guide or staring at the phone or doing something else. You can hear the words, but you are not capturing the emotion. You're not listening to what I'm really saying. James 1, 19 through 20 says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Do you have an anger problem? Start listening. What does it mean to listen with empathy? Empathy is just a fancy word that means I, I put myself in their shoes. I'm just, I'm going to, that's not my doubt or fear right now, but I remember when it was. The, the problem that they're sharing right now is not a problem I have, but it may be one day. So I'm going to see what that's like. I'm going to walk a mile in their moccasins. I want to feel what that's like. I'm going to capture the emotion of it. And I'm going to listen without trying to fix or solve the problem. A lot of healing just comes through listening, just coming through, through saying it. You don't have to fix it right now. Just listen. Every one of us have been through a thing where God didn't say yes to the prayer. And we wonder, God, why wouldn't you say yes to that prayer? And we have doubts about who God is and the direction he's taking us in our life. And you need a safe place where you can say, I doubt this right now. And you're with people who are considerate towards your doubts. You need to be the type of friend that even though that's not your problem, even though that's not your doubt, even though that's not your fear, you're considerate towards it. Number four, the fourth golden rule of friendship is accept their flaws. We all have flaws. We all have faults. We all have defects and failings and weaknesses and sins. Nobody is perfect. Romans 15, 7 says, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you. Then God will be glorified. That doesn't mean that he approves of everything we do, but it means that he accepts us. You want to know what glorifies God? It's when you accept other people as he has accepted you. And he has. Jesus Christ is not your accuser. He is not your prosecutor. Jesus Christ is not your judge. He is your rescuer. He is your friend. You are not other people's accuser. You're not their prosecutor. You're not their judge. You're their friend. And when you accept them, it glorifies God. It glorifies God. If you're married or, or have some deep, meaningful uh, friendships, um, those, those people, they probably have some characteristics that bug you to death, right? And I hate to break it to you, um, but most of those characteristics probably are not going to change. And you get to decide how miserable you're going to be for the rest of your life. Are you going to accept them? 
Are you going to overlook those flaws? Or are you going to let them bug you to death for the rest of your life? There's some things where you just go, there are so many good qualities in her, so many good qualities in him, I'm just going to overlook the flaw. That's what the Bible means by acceptance. That means what the Bible means by carrying one another's burdens. That not only do I accept that flaw, I'm just going to carry it with you. I'll carry it with you. Uh, several years ago, I went backpacking in the Mark Twain National Forest in Missouri with a couple of guys from church. And uh, I was new to backpacking and hiking. I wanted to get into it, but I was brand new to it. And we went out in May, but it was uncharacteristically hot for May. It was like 94 degrees. And um, uh, we went out, and I made a lot of dumb mistakes. A lot of dumb mistakes. Uh, I did not drink enough water beforehand. Uh, I dressed too warmly. I packed way too much stuff, and I didn't, but I didn't pack enough water. And so we went out with all our gear, me and a couple of guys. One of them was Tom Stoltz, our small group's pastor. We went out, I hiked, camped, got up the next day, packed up all our stuff, and went out camping in this like 90-degree heat. And uh, throughout the day, I got more and more dehydrated, and I just started overheating and collapsed on the trail. And these guys were really concerned about me, and I, for the sake of trying to be a gentleman, I won't describe what happened to me next, but I'm sure your imagination could take you there of what happens to a dehydrated person on the hiking trail. And they realized all this stuff is now a great burden to Ryland. And you know what's amazing is Tom, he didn't make fun of me for the flaw of bringing all this stuff and not drinking enough water. What they did, what those two guys did, was they opened up my bag, split up all the stuff, attached it to their bags, and carried it out so I could carry myself out, which I could barely do. And we got out to the road, and, and one of the guys called on a satellite phone to, uh, down to the bait shop, and this guy from the Double D bait shop uh, showed up in this old truck, and uh, we all piled in the truck, and he, on the way out of the bait shop, grabbed a drink for me, because they told him we got a dehydrated guy, and, and he grabbed an orange Gatorade on the way out the door, ice-cold orange Gatorade. I hate orange Gatorade. <laughs> and I'm like, you couldn't have grabbed anything else. I started drinking it. I felt so much better. Now I love orange Gatorade. Every time I see orange Gatorade, I just, thank you, Jesus. Oh, I love it. Take a little praise break for orange Gatorade. But... Tom and that other guy, they carried my burdens. They carried my flaws. And as I just think about my friendship with Tom, he's carried me a lot of times. In fact, Tom has helped me a lot more than I've helped him. And I'm thankful Tom doesn't keep score. Because if Tom were keeping score, he'd be miserable in our friendship. <laughs> Are you keeping score? Because I'll tell you what, you're probably going to help other people a lot more than they help you. I said, Rockbrook is a people that re we really love our community and we really love other people. And that's probably going to mean that you help other people much more than they help you. Are you okay with that? Or are you going to be miserable keeping score? Proverbs 17.9 says, Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. Let's look at the next one, the fifth golden rule of friendship. 
That is to celebrate wins and share losses. The Bible commands that we do this. In Romans 12, 15, it says it this way. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. And you need to learn uh, to celebrate not only the good things that happen to you, but you need to learn how to celebrate the good things that happen to other people without becoming envious or jealous or critical or resentful or disappointed that that hasn't happened to you yet. That's what a friend does. A friend celebrates your wins as much as they celebrate their own. If you only know how to celebrate the good things that happen to you, you will not lead a very happy life. Because good things don't happen to you every day. And you have to learn how to celebrate the good things that are happening to the people around you. The last golden rule of friendship, number six, is bring out their best. Your best friend is the one who brings out the best in you. And the way to get that kind of friend is to bring out the best in other people. Iron sharpens iron. Friends sharpen friends. Do you have friends that will bring out your best? You know, would your friends keep you from cheating on a test? Are your friends more likely to get you on drugs or get you off of drugs? Are your friends more likely to celebrate your faith or ridicule your faith? If you were to take a step of, your, a step of faith towards Jesus Christ, what would your friends say? You know, think about the friendships you have as a married couple. You need, as a married couple other married couple friendships that are as committed to their marriage as you are to yours. Because every marriage goes through rough times. Every marriage hits bumps. And you need friends who are pulling for your marriage, not pushing against it when you hit a hard time. Proverbs 24, 26, talking about a true friendship, says an honest answer is a sign of true friendship. Here's the thing about friendships. The older they get, the better they get. A man's best mirror is an old friend. Because an old friend, a true friend, makes you face yourself. And sometimes the mark of a true friend requires frankness. Sometimes a friend has to speak up and say, I love you too much to let you do this. But they can do it with grace and truth. They can speak the truth in love. They can do it with grace and truth. You see, all grace and no truth, grace without truth is meaningless. All truth and no grace, truth without grace, is just mean. Because in your friendships, you're going to get close to someone and you're going to know where they hurt the most. You're going to know where their wounds are. And you could say something to them that's so cutting that just presses on that wound. That's just wounding and hurtful. You'd know exactly what to say, but you would never say it because of grace. You could also have the option to say nothing at all, just hands off. Say, well, we're not really that good of friends anyway. But there's no truth to that. But grace and truth allows you to find a productive way to confront because you love them. Have you given anyone in your life permission to say, you can get in my face with grace and truth? Where do you find friends like that? How do you make friends like that? Everything we've talked about in this service today can be summed up in one phrase of Jesus. Treat other people the way you want to be treated. That you are to be the friend that you'd like to have. Now, obviously, the best place to find friendships like this, people with similar passions and values and principles and commitments, is in church, in a church like this, in this church. And I would encourage you, join the dream team. Serving elbow to elbow with people is a great, great way, great place to find friends. 
Attend Celebrate Recovery. There you'll find some, some great friends full of grace, full of truth. And of course, small groups. And John's going to be out here later to tell you how you can connect to a small group. And we've got so many different groups at different times and different activities. But the golden rule, be the friend you want to have. Treat other people the way you want to be treated. Let's pray about this. Well, God, I pray for every person listening that you would give them friends that are faithful and loyal, that keep confidences, that genuinely love. And Lord, we just recognize that the only way we're going to get that is if we uh, lead the way and be that kind of person. So God, help us. And God, we just turn our attention to the cross. We just see the power of the cross. We thank you for making a way for us. And we just recognize today that not only did the cross empower us to be accepted by you, but it empowers us to accept other people. And we want to live in the power of the cross. God, I pray that if there's anyone here who doesn't know you, uh, that today they'll say, God, through Jesus Christ, I want to get to know you. I want to begin a relationship with you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.